Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Manna. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, everybody. We have an amazing episode here for you guys today. Last Solo Shot Saturday of the regular season. It's bittersweet. It has went by so fast. I appreciate each and every one of you for spending your Saturdays and part of your week with me for those that listen after the live. It has been awesome. We are up to 3,327 solo shots in the big leagues. And I won't tell you who hit it. You'll have to watch the TikTok there at Solo Shot Sports. But the longest solo shot of the season was hit last night. And there's going to be quite a few more coming both through the regular season. And I'll give a final tally on the last day of the season for how many there were. And I'm also going to continue the solo shot swags into the postseason. Yes, there are not guarantees with less games. But I'm going to keep highlighting all the solo home runs hit during the postseason play as well. So definitely look forward to that. Introing to this episode is Dumb Money, and it's not about the hilarious movie with Paul Dano and Seth Rogen that is in theaters now because they're not a sponsor of this show. But that was a very good movie. If you were thinking about seeing it, you definitely won't be disappointed. The Dumb Money has to do with a team that was top three in payroll this season. And was the last to be eliminated from postseason play. Now, when you look at the top three teams in payroll in baseball, the New York Yankees had tons and tons of injuries, and they built their team very top-heavy, so they were not able to get rid of those injuries and overcome them. The New York Mets, their season was done in the first half, and what did they do? They told their players they're not even trying to compete next year. They're going to come back in 2025 and be real competitive. And they trade their movable contracts and they give up on the season early, but they get out on some of that money and some of those players. But the team we're here to talk about today with dumb money is the San Diego Padres. And the reason I say that is because not only was this team a financial disaster getting eliminated from playoff contention, But also, how did this team not make the playoffs? I picked them to be one of the wildcard teams strictly from payroll and talent alone. But if you look at their season, third fewest errors in the National League, the third highest offensive F-war in the National League, their closer over 25 saves with a 1.16 ERA, Second best team ERA in the National League, including Blake Snell, who is the runaway National League Cy Young winner. Three 25 home run hitters, multiple all stars. And this team wasn't even in it till the final day of the season. I said it when the contract was signed. Xander Bogarts, as good as he's been the last month and a half. That contract can be rough. And you're tied to Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado into their early 40s on that left side of the infield. There's nothing they can do about them. Fernando Tatis has a bounce back season. 
maybe they can move that contract, but that's a pretty big one too. But where the Padres went wrong and why I give the Mets less slack with this dumb money, it is dumb to spend money like that. But when you're in New York, you try to win and sometimes it doesn't work. But this San Diego team doubled down. Instead of trading Blake Snell, the runaway Cy Young, that you could have gotten a haul for at the trade deadline. There wasn't really any big pitchers at the deadline. Giolito was one of the biggest ones to keep Blake Snell, to keep Juan Soto, and use up a playoff run worth of value that you could have pitched to a playoff team that not only wants him for this stretch, but also wants to possibly extend him and get a head start on talking contract with Juan Soto, one of the best young hitters in the game. In this Padres team, they hold on to those chips and they go down with the ship. I understand the peripherals were good. I just talked about them. Third fewest errors, third highest F4 in the, in the league, second lowest ERA. And this team just chokes it away. And I see the media going after Josh Hader for saying that he's not a four-out guy. That's not what they brought him in there to be because that's not that's just the fact of the matter. If you look at his last three full seasons, saves with four outs or more, he has zero. He's a one-inning guy, and he's a dominant one at that, 1.16 ERA. And he's getting the flack. Part of this has to be a culture thing. The great Bob Melvin in his press conference, looked like he was done and just not full of life, which is not what we're used to seeing. He's someone that's usually very glass half full and positive and just a consummate professional. He didn't look right. There was all the player drama with Manny Machado in that article. But really, if you just look at the things that killed the Padres, is the new wildcard format. And you say, well, you're spending all this money and three teams make the playoffs in the wild card instead of one. You're giving yourself a better chance to make the playoffs. But also, from a market perspective, there's less teams willing to sell because they're in it. And there's less teams willing to buy your bigger assets. Maybe they tried to shop Snell or Soto and didn't like the return that they got from other contenders especially in the National League that they're going to have to face for years to come. The Padres, unlike the movie Dumb Money, not an exciting watch this year. And it's really a shame because Manny Machado's on that Hall of Fame track. Juan Soto and Xander Bogarts have a possibility to be Hall of Famers. Blake Snell is about to win the Cy Young in both leagues. And this team didn't even make it to the last day being in contention. The Cincinnati Reds are still in it. The Miami Marlins are still in it. The Arizona Diamondbacks in your own division are still in it. But San Diego, they're gone. And I think a lot of this has to go back to that playoff series with that terrible San Diego Padres fan with his little song, If You Know You Know. But the vibes with this San Diego team just have not been right. And I don't know what's going to fix it. Juan Soto is going to get traded this offseason, no doubt. I'm sure for a haul. But you're not going to get the aggressive 
team that's in it right now that sees him as a guy that can be on the team for years to come, giving you that extra prospect that you might not have gotten. Really interesting case study. I'm sure this team's going to get looked back at in a few years, whether this team implodes or eventually gets back to postseason World Series contender form. And we're going to really look at spending in baseball and when it's worth it and what contracts aren't and aren't worth it. I think there's going to be a lot of tests answered going forward as baseball continues to push these more years, more money contracts. I don't think that's going to be a long-term trend. I think it's going to peter out pretty quick with how some of these teams are performing. And talking about teams performing, this award season is about as boring as I can remember. If you look across the league, talked about Blake Snell being the runaway National League Cy Young Award. Ronald Acuna had an amazing final month of the season to pull away from Mookie Betts and company in the National League MVP race, 40-70 with a 330 average. He's going to get that done. National League Rookie of the Year, Corbin Carroll's got 25 home runs and 50 stolen bases. He's got that locked up. You look in the American League side, Garrett Cole has ran away with the American League Cy Young. The AL MVP has been Shohei Otani. He hasn't played in a month. He's so far ahead in war. 10 wins as a pitcher, 40, over 40 home runs as a batter. And yes, Will, I see in the chat, Gunnar Henderson has became the runaway rookie of the year after Josh Young went down. Nobody else stepped up in the American League but Gunnar. Over six war, pushing for 30 bombs. All the reasons that you'd want to win Rookie of the Year. He's right there on a first-place team. And you look across the league. These awards, usually a couple of them are runaways. But the fact that the awards we're going to be thinking about the most are the manager of the year really telling uh, for, for how this baseball season has went. It's not to say that there haven't been a lot of exciting storylines. And because of that wild card, I talked about it. There's a lot more teams that believed they were in it and have been in it that weren't in years past. But if you look across the league, it's getting real top heavy right now. And while anything can happen in October, there's going to be, a postseason of postseasons. Things are looking pretty black and white right now. And I'm hoping these last couple days with some possible wildcard shifts, as well as postseason baseball and a team catching fire, that we can see some parity. We can see some things going different. And I'm excited for postseason baseball and the weekend that we have to come. All these games for these teams that are still in it are playoff games. They're playing for the playoff lives. Teams like Baltimore, Atlanta, the Dodgers, they've been safe. But these teams that are on the fringe, it all comes down to this. And I want to just give it up to the fans for this amazing baseball season. 
attendance across Major League Baseball, I talked about it, has been up. The highest since 1998. These new rules and shorter game times have clearly been a home run with the fans. And the fans have been showing out. I've been preaching it from the heavens to go out there and see these amazing players one last time. If you get the chance, I had the opportunity to see Miguel Cabrera get honored at Fenway Park. He gets amazing gifts and standing ovations on the way out. You go over to Cleveland, Tito Francona, who announced that this will be his last year managing. He's done. Gets an amazing tribute from the fans over in Cleveland in his last game at Progressive Field. Joey Votto in what could be his last at-bat as a Cincinnati Red. Gets a hit and gets a crazy standing ovation. And Zach Greinke, who hasn't announced that he's retiring. He's 23 strikeouts away from 3,000. But the way that he's treating this final weekend, having his kids on the field, soaking things in with the way that he is, that might be another Hall of Famer that just walks off into the sunset. Adam Wainwright got an at-bat. Got his 200th win. Something to smile about at the end of this terrible Cardinal season. But the fans, the fans of baseball, whether those are first place teams, last place teams, or somewhere in between, they've been showing out. Not just for the top teams in baseball, but for these legends, for these great players that have given so much to the game, given so much to their organizations. And a fan base that really deserves a lot of love is also for the standing O's, the Baltimore Orioles. Two years ago, having 110 losses, now having an 100-win season, the sixth in franchise history, winning the division, the vaunted AL East. They've had a lot to cheer for. And it's a shame that this week, as we throw it back down the third base line, we lost one of the greatest throwback third basemen to ever play the game. Baltimore Orioles legend Brooks Robinson passed away this week at the age of 86. The human vacuum cleaner was an 18-time All-Star. And his 16 gold gloves are not only the most by a third baseman in history, but are the most by a position player of all time. Brooks was a natural lefty and threw right-handed because he was able to transfer the ball from glove to hand that much faster. Brooks Robinson was a consummate professional started the record of most seasons played consecutively for the same team with 23 in Baltimore. And he stayed a consummate professional from the day he entered the big leagues to the day he left this world. My brothers in the hobby know that he was one of the best signers there ever was. Would always take extra time with the fans at public signings, did TTM up until the very end. 
despite health issues. And he was just an amazing all-around player. It's hard not to talk about the glove because the glove is what he will always be remembered for. But when you look at the offensive numbers, the guy that hit 2,848 hits, 268 of them were home runs. 78 career war. He had over 11,000 plate appearances. Scored over 1,200 runs. Drove in over 1,300. And the man struck out less than 1,000 times in a 23-year major league career. Back when that used to really mean something. And you think about that today. Players are striking out well over 100 times a season. He never struck out more than 63 times in one year. And you look back, he won two World Series, but the best season of his career has to be 1964. When he hit a career-high 28 home runs, hit a league-leading 118 RBIs, and a career-high 317 batting average. To go along with the best glove in the game, most defensive runs saved by a third baseman in history, he was a true two-way threat at his height, but he always had the glove. He will be remembered forever, especially in Baltimore. And I really hope that this Baltimore season that has been just so amazing to watch a team overcoming such adversity, a team that since Adley Rushman has been called up has not been swept in a series. I hope that they go out there and they put on a show this postseason with number five patches for Brooks Robinson. It's the right thing to do. He deserves it. His legs, he deserves it. And here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thank you for everything you did for the game, for the Baseball Players Association, and for the city of Baltimore. Rest in peace. You will be surely missed. And when it comes to Baltimore and World Series prediction time, it might just be the sentimental person in me talking about Brooks Robinson and this amazing season. But I can't sit on the fence anymore. It's the end of the regular season. This is the last solo shot Saturday of our regular season. And we have to predict how the playoffs are going to turn out. And I know the team that wins the World Series could possibly not have clinched a playoff spot yet. But I talked about it before. There's not a lot of parity right now in baseball. There's some top teams, and then there's a drop-off. And you look across baseball, this Baltimore Orioles franchise, these young kids, a lot of them weren't up when the team was a loser. They've only known progress and winning, not getting swept, playing hard. And despite not having the best starting rotation in the world, 
This Baltimore Orioles team, I think, has what it takes to win the American League. And you look at them, matching up against the Rays, they have the pitching edge. But I'd argue Baltimore has the hitting edge. You can say the same thing for Seattle. And you can say the same thing for Houston. But the real question is when you compare Baltimore to the Texas Rangers, a team that I've been high on the entire season to make the playoffs. And despite Jacob DeGrom going down for the year, despite Max Scherzer going down for the year, despite Nathan Eovaldi, who is an all-star, missing a big chunk of the season, Josh Young and Adolis Garcia missed a lot of time. They're still in first place. But the reason that the Orioles are going to do better this postseason than the Texas Rangers comes down to the bullpen. And this is Felix Bautista excluded. The Texas Rangers have saved less than 50% of their games. 47% of their save attempts have been successful. That's not going to cut it. And if they're able to hold off Seattle and Houston and not get knocked out of this playoff picture in the next two days, I don't see them having the spark and the ability to finish games the way Baltimore can. So while it's going to be a wild ride on the American League, I feel like there's a lot of very deserving teams. I didn't even talk about the Toronto Blue Jays who have really turned it on. To me, the Baltimore Orioles are the team to beat in the American League. And a lot of it has to do with their energy. I love how they're playing right now. I love how they played all season. And they never say die. The National League, a lot of people say it comes down to two teams. I'd say it comes down to four. And it's the four teams that have clinched. Obviously, the Braves are on another level. The Dodgers have been fantastic all season despite injuries. But I want to show some love to the Philadelphia Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers. Two teams that have played very well despite being in the same league as the Braves. The Brewers, over 90 wins, NL Central crown a team that was in the muck of things when Pittsburgh was hot and when Cincinnati was hot, and they just moved past them all. They have the rotation to knock off an Atlanta or an LA, but they don't have the lineup. They're a couple years away, I think, with that lineup, with the young players, Sal Frelick and Joey Weimer and all the guys they have in the organization, but they're going to be a fun team that don't be surprised if they end up knocking someone off. And the Philadelphia Phillies, we saw it last year. And they've only added to that team, both in the starting rotation and the bullpen. So if the Phillies go on another run, it will not be shocking, especially with how they're playing so far the last month and a half. But I go back to it again and again. The Atlanta Braves, who's going to beat them? I'm not saying the Dodgers can't. Mookie Betts and the Dodgers have had a fantastic season. But when you look at their starting rotation and you look at the Braves, who just put a couple pitchers on the IL, which starting rotation is going to outpitch which? And I seriously, 
think regardless of Clayton Kershaw, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, this Braves team missing the World Series completely, if they don't make it there to the show, it's going to be looked at as a missed opportunity, as a failed season. And that's why I'm picking the Atlanta Braves, who have been the best team in baseball all season, to go to the World Series and lose to the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to make it to the World Series, but we haven't seen too many teams finish with the best record in baseball and actually win the World Series. The last team to do it was the 2018 Boston Red Sox. It's easier said than done. And I just think that with how they've played the last end of the season against fringe playoff teams, bad teams, the fact that their league is just not as deep as the AL, the Orioles are going to be battle-tested, and they're going to make it through and finish the job for Brooksy. I appreciate each and every one of you, Will, Hugo, everyone that was in the chat, for spending part of your Saturday with me. Thank you to those who listen afterwards, both on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, you learned something, or just enjoy baseball as much as I do, please like the show, subscribe, leave a review on podcasts, and share the show with someone that loves baseball as much as us. Have a happy Solo Shot Saturday. Enjoy the playoff baseball, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.